2: Hello, and welcome to Dark Horror Diaries. Tonight, we're continuing our series of creepy Craigslist horror stories. So, I've been checking my area's Craigslist and lo and behold, I saw a really weird post in my area in the Missing Connections section. The post said, Your mother is in Hawaii, Kauai. Which on my Facebook, I have a profile pic of me in Hawaii with a Hawaii hat. Then the post said your birthday is X on the X, which of course was my birthday. Then the post said, This is your big sister. I am very, very, very confused. Am I crazy? Is this just a coincidence? Is the big sister the accomplice? Did they hack my Wi-Fi? I mentioned down in the comments that I changed my Wi-Fi PW because there were two unknown devices connected. What the hell is going on? It all started when I moved into our new house and started up a gym membership. I'm five foot three and look pretty young for my age. Someone the other day knocked and asked if my mother was home. Cringe. So I look like a little girl, I'm told. So one night at the gym, I see this weird guy staring at me and sort of following me around. He looked crazy, like a shell shocked solider. He was a very socially awkward, quiet, smart looking kind of guy. Probably INTJ. He had a huge build, too. Probably like six foot four and a bodybuilder type. So then he eventually passed by the machine I was on and looked directly at me, almost like he was reading me. It was like a deer in the headlights. My gut just told me I was in trouble. So I get up and head for the lockers, and no surprise. He headed for the men's. I made myself literally sit in that locker room for 20 minutes to make sure that we would not leave at the same time. I peer out of the locker room, don't see him so start heading for the exit. This guy literally pops out of nowhere and heads out behind me. At this point I'm now accepting the challenge. Stupid I know. I slow down and stare at him with the most serious deadlock stare I can muster up. He walks to his car and I walk to mine, staring at each other the entire time. I stand there in front of my car and stare and he slides into his car. He then lowers his head and gives me the most bone-chilling, evil-eyed stare anyone had ever given me. It kind of made me chuckle a little. I waited for him to drive off. So then I figured I lost him and started driving home. I live in a very small town with neighborhoods with dead-end cold de sacs. So right before I turn into my neighborhood, this SUV rives up behind me on my tail all aggressively. I know he followed me home after that, but I have no idea how he was so stealthy. I'm pretty sure this guy is ex-military. Just by him demeanor, age 36 or so his SUV. Just everything screamed ex-military. So anyways, three days go by and my husband leaves for work. I'm upstairs in bed and I hear my front door open. Someone just walked into my house. My heart stopped. I had no idea what was going on. I creep out of my room and see all three of my kids are fast asleep. I walk over to one of their rooms and look out the window to the street. My heart does that dropping thing again. A car was parked directly in front of my house that I don't recognize. It was an old unmarked car that was parked at a very unusual diagonal angle and it was running. I start stomping on my ceiling and I start waving my hands at the car to threaten it. It races off and leaves whoever is in my house. Then all of a sudden I see this man emerge from under the window with his face completely covered. He was walking away with a quickness. But get this. He had the same build as the guy from the gym. It is just unmistakable. He's huge and I never see dudes this big. At first I thought it was an unrelated robbery, but statistically they don't come back to the scene if caught, and he didn't take anything downstairs and my laptop was right downstairs. My husband has seen that car apparently once after that three weeks later and it sped off when he walked outside. My brother-in-law a couple weeks ago came to visit and had to park around the corner. He told me he saw a guy walking by the house and looked very suspicious. When I asked his description, he said some guy with a big build. I'm creeped out. I don't know what's going to happen. Missed connections are the most interesting part of Craigslist. Anonymous people on an anonymous website posting things into the cybernetic ether hoping to find a connection they missed. A missed opportunity to find eternal happiness with your one and only. And of course, there's a good amount of cringe. So much cringe. When you have a bad day and you need to cheer yourself up, I found that the fastest way to do that is by finding yourself someone who's an even sadder sack than you to laugh at. It's not the healthiest way in the world to cheer yourself up, but it's always worked for me. Well, until now. The day started off okay enough. One of the few guys on Occupy who hadn't asked me for nudes or pictures of my feet finally got up the nerve to ask me for a coffee date. I didn't have much else going on yesterday, so I decided, why the hell not, and said yes. And he didn't show up. It was 30 minutes after he said he would be there when he finally texted me bastard had the gall to try and make up some excuse. To tell you the truth, I was too angry to read the entire thing. It wasn't quite to the point where I would block his number, but he would have to come up with a pretty damn good explanation to explain himself. So I did what I usually do when I'm feeling down about myself and started looking at the missed connections section of Craigslist. It wasn't too long before I found a pretty cringy one. You, the lady in her mid-forties at sprouts me, the older man in his mid-fifties. I couldn't stop staring at the tights you were wearing. I would have gone down on you right there if I could have lol. If you want it, I love it. A bit terrifying for the lady, but also hilarious. I can just imagine some old, fat, bald guy in his mid-fifties typing this out on his computer with the dirtiest thoughts on his mind of this older lady he saw for two seconds at an organic grocery store. The thing that made this so much better was that even an old man in his 50s, an age where you expect people to know how to talk to other people, still expect some random person they saw once to remember them. Really, I think it was the lol near the end that made me laugh so hard at this. My date may have blown off our coffee, but at least I wasn't this old lonely bastard who couldn't keep himself from posting the lewdest thing he could think of on an anonymous Craigslist posting. It was after I read that that I noticed the post about me, the girl with the pink hair. We were both at the Starbucks on 24th St. and Camelback. You had pink hair and I was too shy to say anything. Thinking of you, I dyed my hair bright pink for a Halloween costume and the Starbucks the poster mentioned was in the fact the one I was at for my earlier failed coffee date. I had looked at the missed connections posting a lot over the past couple of years but had never found one about me. I would say it was flattering, but there was something about the post that unsettled me. Thinking of you. I can't say why it was unsettling. Those three dots left a lot of implications. Could it be flattery? A threat? What exactly was he thinking about me? I'm pretty sure you can't report a post for using an unsettling ellipsis, so I just tried to ignore it as I kept searching for anything that could cheer me up. Unfortunately, it looked like I exhausted cringing at people sadder than I am on Craigslist. I was about to give up, but decided to try reloading the page and see if anything else would pop up. And that's when I saw the next post. To the girl looking at missed connections. Thinking of you. There was no way that post could be about me. Could it? There had to be hundreds, if not thousands, of people looking at missed connections right now. It was just some troll trying to scare me. Well, not me specifically. Just trying to scare anyone who happens to be looking in missed connections. But there was that unsettling ellipses at the end. It was exactly the same words in the exact same order as the post about me. Just a coincidence, of course, because it had to be. The bottom of my world fell out from under me as I reloaded the page again and saw this. Yes, Samantha, I'm talking about you. Thinking of you in your oversized white t-shirt. My name is Samantha, and I changed into my oversized white NASA shirt only an hour ago, and I have no idea what to do. Got kicked out of my shared apartment because my dog had extreme diarrhea all over some new carpet at about 1 o'clock in the morning. Alrighty then, lived in my car for a few days Vegas. It really sucked so I was desperate for a place to stay found an ad on Craigslist for a spot close to me that seemed like a good deal and the advertisers were eager for someone to move in. Alrighty then, I check it out. House and roommates seem okay. I move in. It only took 48 hours for me to realize that all three other people the original poster dude and then a younger couple in the house were addicted to smoking black tar heroin and my personal property was disappearing fast. I came home from a new job I had just started down the block and my computer had vanished. Confronted poster dude, he apologizes profusely and has a breakdown with me, crying and screaming in theatrics. He decides it's best if he goes to rehab. Okay, so this leaves me alone in the house with the other two who have no intentions on going to rehab or to stop stealing my stuff. I'm desperately trying to find another place, but it takes me a week and in that time I got completely cleared out. Everything of value I had was picked through and sold away for drugs. It was heartbreaking. To top it off, I get a call from the rehab guy after he's gone a couple days to go into his closet at home and find a little box hidden away so I can take it to a dumpster, no questions, please. I open the box before I throw it in, and there is enough drugs in it to put me in prison for years. So scary. I was young and dumb, and I also suspect that there was a dead body buried in the backyard, but that's a whole nother story. Vegas Craigslist will f you up. My roommate was selling our old fridge. He didn't let me know that someone was coming to get it one day, and I pull up to see someone loading up the fridge in our carport with no one home. I'm naturally defensive, because what would you do if some strange guy was randomly in your carport loading up a fridge? Anyways, I open with, excuse me, what do you think you're doing? Long and short of it is that the dude hadn't paid for it, yet nor confirmed with my roommate or owner that he was coming. We still sold him the fridge at the end of the day. I'm a 22-year-old female for context. While I was living at uni by myself, I messaged a man who had a PS2 for sale on Facebook. It was a really good price and looked really good condition. I really should have known it was too good to be true. Anyway, I message him about it, and he says he will drop it off straight after work, and that he is working on a building site near where I live. All good right, except he kept saying he will do me a solid and drop it right to my door, even though I repeatedly said I would meet him at a nearby car park. He said okay fine, he wasn't happy about it, but whatever, I was getting my PS2 and I was buzzing about it. So a few hours go by and I walk up the hill to chill with my friend Adam who's a bloke and the same age as me. I flippantly mention that I'm meeting this man for the PS2 and Adam is all like. You can't just meet a random in a car park. I'm also very petite do I guess if someone wanted to grab me they could, which was Adam's thinking. I agree to let Adam come with me and actually it was a good idea. The man texts me again asking if we are still good to meet and what will I be wearing. I thought to recognize me. So I tell him what I'll be wearing and what I look like and then I mention I'll be with a stocky, dark-haired man with a beard. He stops replying and deletes his Facebook account. I never hear from him again. I can't help but think something dodgy was going to happen and my friend making me tell the guy I wouldn't be alone prevented it from happening. Apologizing now since I am a horrible writer, but there is a small town called Gilgo Beach in Long Island, New York. It's pretty secluded and runs along the back of a highway. For those of you who don't know, a few years back there were many dismembered bodies found along the highway in verlet bags. It seemed that the murderer was targeting prostitutes and finding them via Craigslist and other websites. They never found the killer, but it is believed to have been linked to a series of similar murders in Atlantic City. Anyway, one night in the middle of winter at about 2am my friend, and I decide to go to the Fire Island Lighthouse, which is about five minutes from Gilgo Beach and along the same highway. There are deer usually hanging around there at night, and we wanted to feel them loll. Anyway, to get to this lighthouse you have to drive over a long, narrow bridge, and once you get over that bridge there is a roundabout around a big needle-like water tower, and the rest is beach. I will attach link of picture there are no houses or stores. It's dark, and there is no one there at night. So we get off the bridge and onto the roundabout when I pull up behind an older-looking dark-colored car on the farthest side of this roundabout. Mind you, there are never any cars here this late and this season. A woman in a long coat gets out of this car, walks in front of it towards the middle of the roundabout which is just the bottom of the water tower. The car speeds off fast and leaves the women. She is sitting there now all along in this secluded area in the middle of the winter late at night. My cousin and I circled a few times, and she just stood there at the bottom of the water tower. She was there at least 30 minutes since we circled, waited, then circled a few more times. This women would have had to walk.
0: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials?
1: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: At least 3035 men to get to the first residence, and at least an hour to get to a store or a public place. We ended up calling the cops and never found out what happened. We still think if we didn't show up, this woman could have been seriously hurt, but since we pulled up, maybe the guy got spooked and let her out. But why wouldn't she scream for help? But to the person in the dark car and the creepy women who stood at the bottom of the tower, let's not meet, unless you are a victim. Not super bad, but long story short, I sold a car to a lady and her kids came with her. They were in their 20s. A few months later, I get a text from the daughter saying the woman passed away and they never took it to get tags and needed a copy of the title and would pay for me to get it since by law I had to be the one to get it. I met them and they gave me money. I got the title and sign it over again technically. Then a few weeks later the son texts me thanking me and shit and then suddenly asks if my wife and I want to have a threesome. I nicely tell him to f off and he calls me leaving me five voice mail of him crying and apologizing saying he's drunk and misses his mom. I had a Blackberry in 2014. I actually liked it quite a lot, but the apps were no longer being supported and every time I went outside, the sun would move my cursor around because of the heat. So my cell phone situation was suboptimal, and I was a grad student who needed to check email and do things on the go, like text people coherent sentences without my cursor flying everywhere. I found a deal for a $300 iPhone 5 top-notch at the time on Craigslist and contacted the seller. We agreed to meet at a local grocery store, and he said his mom had appendicitis so he couldn't stay very long. I was very grateful that he was taking the time to meet me while his mom was in the hospital, so I baked cookies for the family and met up with what ended up being a 16-year-old kid at a grocery store in Illinois. He gave the phone, which was dead because he said his mom ran over his charger with a vacuum cleaner. I paid him and gave him the cookies, took the phone home, and it worked but wasn't unlocked as advertised so it was unusable for me. Turns out it was stolen. I cried in my car for an hour. It still upsets me to this day because I try to have a lot of faith in humanity. I made his mom cookies. She probably wasn't even sick. First day on a new job a couple of years ago. During orientation, my phone starts ringing. Not a number I recognize, so I ignore it. It's already on vibrate. Then it rings again. And again. By the time I'm out of orientation, I have dozens of voicemails, but more meet and greets with coworkers, etc. When I finally get to check my voicemail after lunch, the voicemail is full. Scores of men leaving messages for Miss Becky, some leaving multiple messages getting increasingly desperate. I've had the phone number for years, so something must be up. I try to Google my phone number, but the calls are coming in so fast I'm constantly interrupted, and I'm trying not to look like a bad employee on my first day. When I finally get a search completed, it pulls up a Craigslist ad with a man posing for pictures that no straight man should ever see with my phone number. The calls slowed down by the end of the day, and within a few days stopped completely, and I never heard from Miss Becky again. Mine is a good story. Last year I wanted a PS4, so did Research, and found one with GTA 5, Knack and Battlefield Hardline for $300 on Craigslist, and next thing is he knocks on the door of my house two hours later and I have the check for $300 behind my micro-V so no shady crap he comes in and explains that he wiped it. It has controller, HDMI and everything, stayed to help set it up and said he liked my house, and he hopes to have a house similar to my parents. I'm 16 then, parents helped transactions and explained that he is getting a new job next week and needed the money for his family, so I gave him an extra $50 for his situation, good deal. The night was dark and stormy, the kind of night that sends shivers down your spine even before anything unsettling happens. I had just finished chatting with my friend, Jake, over the phone. He sounded distraught, and his words echoed in my mind as I made my way home through the deserted streets. He had been searching for a good deal on a MacBook online, scouring various websites to find the perfect match for his budget. Eventually, he stumbled upon a seemingly too-good-to-be-true offer a brand-new MacBook at a fraction of the retail price. The catch? The transaction had to happen in person in an abandoned warehouse on the outskirts of town. Against my advice, Jake decided to go for it. Greed clouded his judgment, and he found himself in a dimly lit, desolate place, surrounded by shadows that seemed to whisper tales of regret. The air was thick with tension as he handed over the cash to the mysterious seller. But things took a horrifying turn. Suddenly, out of the darkness, emerged a group of masked figures. They moved like ghosts, swift and silent. Before Jake could comprehend the danger, he felt a searing pain in his right hand. A gunshot echoed through the warehouse, and he crumpled to the ground, clutching his mutilated hand. The assailants vanished into the night, leaving Jake bleeding and broken. He managed to crawl out of the warehouse and call for help. By the time I reached the hospital, his once-intact hand was reduced to a gruesome sight only three fingers remained, a cruel reminder of the price he paid for his online bargain. As I sat by Jake's bedside, the weight of the story settled in the room like a thick fog. The incident haunted him, not just physically but mentally. The trauma of that night played out in his restless eyes and the shadows seemed to dance menacingly on the hospital walls. In the following days, strange occurrences unfolded around Jake. He would wake up to the sound of distant whispers, his dreams plagued by masked figures reaching out for him. Paranoid and sleep-deprived, he became convinced that the ghosts of that forsaken warehouse were haunting him, seeking retribution for disturbing their malevolent domain. I tried to dismiss his fears as mere post-traumatic stress, but as the days passed, even I couldn't ignore the eerie atmosphere that clung to him. Objects would inexplicably move in his presence, and the air grew icy cold whenever he spoke of that fateful night. It was as if the spirits of the warehouse had latched onto him, determined to make him pay for the intrusion. One night, as I sat with Jake in his dimly lit apartment, the room plunged into darkness. The air became heavy, and a cold wind whispered through the cracks in the window. The window. Suddenly, the flickering light of a single candle illuminated the room, casting eerie shadows on the walls, and there, in the corner, the masked figures materialized. They were ethereal, their forms shifting between reality and nightmare. Their eyes, empty voids, locked onto Jake, who trembled in terror. The room echoed with their ghostly whispers, recounting the details of that ill-fated transaction. I tried to grab Jake and escape, but an invisible force held me back. The figures approached him slowly, their spectral hands outstretched. And then, with a bone-chilling wail, they vanished, leaving behind a chilling silence. The room returned to its normal state, but Jake was changed. His eyes, once filled with life, now reflected the horror of the supernatural encounter. He spoke of a curse, a consequence for seeking a forbidden bargain in that forsaken warehouse. From that day forward, Jake lived in perpetual fear, haunted by the shadows of that macabre night. The warehouse became a place of dread, a portal to a realm where the price of greed was paid in blood and torment, and as for me, I couldn't shake the feeling that those masked figures lingered in the shadows, watching, waiting for the next unsuspecting soul to venture into their unholy domain. The rain drizzled down in a haunting rhythm as I navigated the unfamiliar streets of an upper-class neighborhood, the kind where mansions lined the roads like silent sentinels guarding their secrets. My quest for a reliable used car had led me to a Craigslist ad, promising a well-maintained older sedan the type I preferred. The address pointed me toward a mansion that exuded opulence. It seemed out of place for a simple car transaction, but I dismissed the thought attributing it to the eccentricities of the wealthy. The seller, a middle-aged man with a bland smile, greeted me at the door. We exchanged pleasantries, and he led me to the garage where the sedan stood, waiting to be scrutinized. As I examined the car, my suspicions grew. It was in pristine condition, almost too good to be true. Despite my reservations, I decided to go ahead with the inspection. However, my gut feeling intensified when the seller casually mentioned that another interested party would be arriving shortly. I felt a twinge of annoyance, but chose to wait patiently. The minutes stretched like eternity, and the sound of rain tapping against the garage roof became a maddening drumbeat. Finally, after forty-five minutes of relentless waiting, I decided enough was enough. I approached the cellar, frustration etched across my face. Look, I've been waiting here for almost an hour. If you have another interested buyer, I'll leave. I won't play this waiting game any longer." The seller offered a half-hearted apology, assuring me that the other party was on their way. My patience worn thin, I decided to make my exit. Before leaving, however, I couldn't resist sharing my discontent. I leaned in and whispered, You know, I was planning on paying close to your asking price in cash. But after this wait, I'm not so sure anymore. And by the way, I just told the other guy all the known issues with the car, the head gasket problems, the whole deal. Figured he should know what he's getting into. The seller shot me a venomous glare, a mix of anger and frustration. I felt a twisted sense of satisfaction, knowing that I had just turned the tables on a man who had tried to manipulate the situation for his benefit. As I walked away, the rain intensified, mirroring the storm of emotions swirling inside me. I detested greed and those who preyed on the vulnerability of others. Little did I know, my actions would set in motion a series of events that would lead me into the depths of a chilling and unforeseen nightmare. Days later, as I drove my trusty old sedan, I noticed a shadowy figure in my rearview mirror. A cold shiver ran down my spine as I realized it was the seller's son of a bitch lookalike, tailing me with an intensity that sent shivers down my spine. Paranoia crept in, and every turn I took, every stoplight I encountered, the figure remained relentless in its pursuit. I tried to shake off the unease, convincing myself it was just a coincidence, but the feeling persisted, growing more ominous with each passing day. Late one night, as I parked my car in front of my apartment, a chill wind whispered through the air, carrying with it an eerie presence that sent a shudder through my soul. The next morning, I discovered a cryptic message scrawled on my windshield, Greed has its price. Panic set in as I realized the handwriting matched that of the seller. The knowledge that I had angered someone capable of such malevolence filled me with dread. From that point on, my life unraveled in a series of inexplicable events. Strange noises echoed through my apartment at night, and shadowy figures lurked in the corners of my vision. The sedan I had purchased, once a symbol of my triumph over greed, now seemed to carry a curse that clung to me like a relentless specter. Sleep became a distant memory as nightmares invaded my every moment. The line between reality and terror blurred, and the walls of my apartment seemed to close in, suffocating me with the weight of my own paranoia. In a desperate attempt to break free from the sinister grip that had entangled my life, I decided to part ways with the cursed sedan, as I handed the keys to the new owner, A sense of relief washed over me. Little did I know, however, that the horrors unleashed by that fateful Craigslist encounter were far from over. The following nights became a descent into madness. Unseen hands seemed to reach out from the shadows, and whispers echoed through the darkness, accusing me of my own sins. The line between illusion and reality blurred, and the spectral figure of the cellar haunted my every waking moment. In a final act of desperation, I sought the help of a paranormal investigator, hoping to rid myself of the malevolent force that had taken root in my life. As we delved into the supernatural realm, the truth unfolded a curse, born from greed and manipulation, had latched onto me, seeking to extract a price for my defiance. The investigator performed rituals, incantations, and cleansings, but the malevolent force only grew stronger. The sinister whispers intensified, accusing me of betrayal and greed. The shadows, once confined to the corners, now stretched like tendrils, threatening to engulf me in an eternal night. In a desperate bid for salvation, I returned to the mansion where it all began. The rain poured down, a torrential downpour that mirrored the storm within. As I stood in the abandoned garage, the echoes of my confrontation with the cellar reverberated through the empty space. A ghastly figure materialized before me, the distorted visage of the cellar, his eyes filled with malice. You thought you could escape the consequences of your actions, he hissed, his voice a chilling echo. The air grew icy cold as the curse tightened its grip, the shadows closing in. In that moment, I realized the true horror of my folly. The curse was not confined to the car or the seller's vendetta. It was a manifestation of my own guilt, a relentless specter born from the darkness within. As the shadows enveloped me, I felt a searing pain, not physical but metaphysical a reckoning for the sins that had brought me to this cursed crossroads. The rain continued to pour, washing away the remnants of my existence, leaving behind only the haunting whispers of a cautionary tale, a tale of greed, manipulation, and the chilling price one pays for crossing the thin line between desire and damnation.